SUS News Podcast Series, where we talk about drones and usually interview experts about uh, things relevant to the global unmanned systems community. And as always, I'm your program host, Patrick Egan. And we always say a big warm hello, Texas sunshine. Welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hi, Gene. You know, you know, Patrick, I kind of sleep through the introduction because it's been the same for over a hundred podcasts and you deviated and I, I just, it caught me off guard, <laughs> but hello, I know, I just figured I'd... yeah, it's sunny and you know, we got tornadoes lurking and everything else, but you know, Hey, that's the way it is. If you don't like the weather in Texas, just wait five minutes. Exactly. Well, I figured I'd add a little bit, a little bit, you know, and just mix things up. I hear the music start, and I know the name of that tune. <laughs> yeah, you do. Got to change things up every now and again. Um. So anyway, yeah, uh, you know, um, what? It, what? There's there's lots going on, and we're gonna mainly talk about today the uh, Department of Transportation Office, the Inspector General's audit report. Basically, it's uh, kind of revolves around. The UAS IPP and then the follow on train wreck of beyond. And we're going to uh, talk about some of that and then um, some of the recommendations, some of the fallout from all of that. I mean, I don't even know if we should do current events first, but I guess we should. So, um, you know, one of the things that happened, I guess Skyward is going to, you remember Skyward IO. And actually, yeah. uh, I think um can't remember Jonathan's last name eluding uh, me right now, but I remember when the, uh, you know, I got the PowerPoint around here somewhere and I saw it and I'm like, uh, dude, it's next gen junior. I'm like, the FAA has been working on this for 20 years. This dog will not hunt. Sorry. Oh, why are you so negative? Blah blah blah. I'm, they've spent millions, tens of millions, if not, you know, snuggling who knows how much money on what you're saying you're going to do for drones, and it's just, uh, I don't know, you, you can't even get the PowerPoint to work. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not encouraged. But um, you know, everybody thought that they were going to run out and make a cell phone app that basically cracked the beyond visual line of sight. Um, nut, let's say, um, and that they were going to do that by getting the FAA the data they needed and the information they needed and taking the, the, the let's say, load off of uh, FAA shoulders. And none of that is materialized, uh, which all plays into the uh, Office of Inspector General's report that we will get to. But I, I lay the fault of this directly at the feet of the FAA, and I do that because there's not a big enough industry here for all of these high flyers to um, – the, the pool's just not big enough to accommodate everyone, dollar-wise. Agree, disagree with that. Well, I, well, I, I think that uh, had it been done wisely, things would have been a little different, but uh... – yeah, the way things are doing now, the pool is shrinking for sure. There, there's no doubt about that. And when you're trying to swim laps, and you know, you get down to where you're in the, in the spa with uh, four or five other people, it gets uh, a little difficult. 
It does. And and what I've really seen is the, the people that uh, I call them the uh, part, part 107 favor waivers that uh, the people that are getting those, you know, there are, there are a few of those people that you're talking about swimming in the, in the uh, spa and they get those waivers and they make some money, but they're not really making enough money, but that they can say on the balance sheet that they're bringing some money in. And basically they're coloring outside of the lines and they're okay with the dysfunction because they're making money. And really they have uh, an income stream that's not available to people beyond, let's say the hundred and some odd beyond visual line of sight waivers that are out there. So if you're, you know, the, uh, one of the 330 odd million other folks without those waivers, you're not going to make any money unless you're, you're just breaking the law. And uh, so it's a small handful of people. And everybody knows there's this dysfunction and all the rest, and they just go along with it because they have a little bit of money and some investment. Um, and where we're at now is people have deep enough pockets that they'll just keep going. It doesn't matter to them. It's peanuts. And that's going to be like your Amazons and your your Googles and your zip lines and your uh, – there's, there's a few of them that have uh, – some really deep pockets and can afford to blow $2 billion on not making any money, you know? And the whole deal's a confidence game as far as I'm concerned uh, because these people know that. It's, it, it's not making any money. They don't really care. We're just going to go on for years and uh, like we've already been doing. And, uh, you know, all of those people, and I know you've seen this. That's another thing is people keep saying that about this industry. It's like, oh, you know, drones are new. Every every uh, application's new, and I know you've noticed that over the years. Yeah, to say the least. But you know, yeah. Patrick, when you get down to it, the 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 FAA has always been hyper risk averse. Okay, so that I think that's probably one of the reasons that uh, uh, they, they play everything so close to the vest. And that the selection process, as you the, the favor waivers, as you say, uh, go to people that that they think are going to keep them out of hot water, so to speak. And uh, well, I don't know that you're going to change that. No. Well, the other thing that the favor waiver thing is, uh, you know, if you have kennels full of uh, lobbyists that you can get them on uh, some congressperson's office to get on the blower and, and uh, turn up the heat on the FAA and you get a little bit of action. And we witnessed that too at our Kappa. That's, that was how we were able to even maneuver around is, is that we had some grassroots action going, which I keep talking about. Nobody wants to hear that because the only people with money uh, already have the favor waiver deal going, you know? So I don't know. Uh, it's like kind of a you know self-perpetuating uh, problem and um, kind of a, a self-defeating mode. But uh, what I've seen in this deal is, is you know, every I would say two years or so, you get a new crop of people in here. They go out and buy a DJI drone, and they're like, oh, I'm you know doing whatever with it. You know, I, I don't know, whatever you want to. Farm drones, and mapping drones, whatever. You know, I don't care. Whatever it is that you want. 
and they go do that and they have some money and they put, you know, put all this money into it, burn up the sky and all the rest of that stuff. And then usually uh, burn out in about two years and go away. And I'm sure you've seen this too. I mean, I, over the years, I don't, I countless people call me up. Oh, you know, I, I spent all this money on this equipment. I can't get any jobs. Uh, I need to do this. Some folks are figuring out it's a, um, blue collar job you know, like 12, 15 bucks an hour thing. Um, some people are, are just trying to do it for free. Some people are totally rogue. They're making money because they don't care. You know, it, it, it's the same old story, right? I mean, we've been hearing this, all of that for, you know, a very long time. Yeah, that's true for the most part. I mean, and we've always said that there's going to be a race to the bottom on, on wages and that sort of thing. Uh, and, I kind of felt like that there was kind of a, a distilling process that went on during the the, the pandemic, if you will, uh, that uh, there were going to be a lot of folks that get shook out there. And I think there's still a lot of impact from that. Uh, and although, you know, I, I will have to say that I think it's, it's everything is, is starting to recover pretty nicely. But you're right. Um, the, there, there are a lot of folks that are going to drop out because they've lost money for the last two years. And two years, that, that's interesting that you should mention that, because that seems about the length of the runway most of these these startups have when they're trying to get into the drone industry, about two years. Right. And, you know, the, the other thing, and, and so some of these, um, I mean, that one, I, and I've been kind of uh, talking about this for a long time, is, is that really, you know, I mean, there, there's a couple of realities about drones that carry over to aviation, like, you know, drones really only make money when they're in the air, like aircraft. When they're sitting there, they're um, losing money. You know, you're losing money. Uh, the technology is evolving, you know, yada, yada. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's fine. And so two years has been kind of rough. But, uh, you know, there were companies that were falling out before the pandemic. Measure is one of them. Um, you know, they, they were like, oh, you know, they got some investment or somebody bought them out, stocks or uh, debt swap or whatever. And then they tried to blame the uh, pandemic. But really, that was going on before. The drones of the Servicio model, as I like to call it, even though that's somebody went out and trademarked that measure. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough nut to crack. And I think we've said this, too, from the beginning. It's really drones augment existing businesses really well. So like if you're a, actually a surveyor or an agronomist or, you know, search and rescue person that, that kind of knows the, um, let's say, the ins and outs of that sector, then the drone augments that. Very hard, although we see the charlatans do it. You know, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my drone and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to uh, be a farm drone guy or whatever. And you don't know anything about the business. You're more than likely you're going to fail unless you've got, you know, tons of money laying around. And we've seen, I, I mean, I, I just, I can't even remember all of the companies. Uh, I kind of got into it on LinkedIn with somebody that works for uh, Skyward. Oh, it was unprofessional, and I'm just like, look, you know, we, uh, I, I listed off a whole boatload of companies that ran through hundred million dollars plus and could not make it work, um, and one of those being um, Precision Hawk. I mean, that company, you know, they they had it all, man. I, I don't know, 
you know, how they got it all, um, you know, but they had it all. They, they, they basically had no federal oversight for over a year. They didn't do, they didn't use VO. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they did the safety spiel. Sometimes they didn't. No documentation, which feeds into this uh, DOT IG report. They were one of the pathfinders. Nothing. The FAA wasn't even in uh, contact with the guy that was on the waiver for like 15 months. And the punchline on this deal with the fly, the purported flyaways and the shoot downs and the crashes and all of the, you know, things in running a drones as a service business, uh, they, they were able to do that for a, a big customer. Uh, out here in California, they were they were leasing their waivers. They were all, all kinds of stuff. They get caught doing it. Uh, you know the guy that's in charge, the amazing Grogan, five ten minute conversation with that uh, um, Diana Cooper, and everything's safe. We we don't need to look at logs. We don't need to look at any documentation. It's all good. And the punchline. Punchline is that they were able to do that without any federal, apparently, without any federal oversight for like 15 months, and they still couldn't make any money. They still lost money on the deal. Does that make any sense to you, uh, Gene? You know, it, it, it sure makes you want to question just what they were doing in the management. I know that they changed the management head a couple of times, didn't they? They did, but, you know, before they did, they, they brought that guy on to the deck. And this is the funny thing. You know, everybody, oh, that he can be so negative. Look, you get a guy on there who can't even make a drone business work without federal oversight, who can basically do whatever they want, that the local FISDO doesn't even know they're out there operating, and they still can't make it, and you bring the guy on and you make him the head of the deck. Does that make any sense? Well, you know, to your point, I think the way it's starting to shake out when you said that if you have an existing business, like if you're a search and rescue or uh, construction or that sort of thing, uh, a drone is a very helpful tool, but it's not the only tool and it's not the core of your business. And maybe I think that's kind of the crux of the biscuit, if you will, that, uh, you know, yes. and, 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 and those sorts of things are, uh, they're trying to do it on a singular, just a you know drones as a service basis, and uh, you know you're you're going to either a have to know somebody in a business such as uh, cell phone tower inspection, or they've been doing it for years and they've been dangling a guy off string and hoist him up there to look, and uh, you know occasionally one the string breaks, and uh, then of course you know the drone is is a good alternative to that. Yes, well, it's not the only tool. No. And in most of these cases, people figure out that that's a Sears poncho uh, in, in short order, you know, that they're wearing. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to do some of the uh, the uh, drones as a Servicio deal, help people out not to really make any money. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, the whole deal was a, a, a shit show, total shit show, you know, um, wrong address for the gate, no code for the lock. Uh, a road, you know, on a mountaintop that my, I had to park the Acura and, uh, you know, walk the last mile with all my gear. Um, 
new versions of software being pushed to my cell phone while I'm hiking that last mile. I, just, you know, that's not how you make any money. And the only reason, the only way you can stay in business with that type of uh, poop show going on is, is you got tons of investment money. And that's, that's the only way that's going to work. Small well, I think that there's a lot of people that are optimistic and really want it to work. And I think that's what, <laughs> that's where the money goes. Cause they want it to work very badly. Well, it's like, you know, I've been a, you know, in business for myself for uh, oh God, very long time, decades. I have this uh, authority issue. You haven't deduced that after all these years of bailing me. Uh, so, you know, went into business for myself. And basically, you know, when you're doing a job or whatever, and, you know, you get a, you, you can't complete or you get a call back or, you know, monkey wrench gets thrown in there somewhere. The profit's gone. You're done. You know, so you better if you if you think you're going to do that as a business, if you don't like losing money, working for free or whatever, you better have your uh, shit tight, you know. And that's one thing that I've learned that even in the drone business. uh you know, you, you can't complete the mission. You can't get paid. Uh, you're losing money on the deal. And uh, that's not going to work for long unless you got a lot of a stack of cash sitting around. And I think we saw that with Amazon, you know. Uh, $2 billion is what they're saying they've spent. And I think it's a lot more than that. And, I, and one other thing, you know, with, with the, uh, the Precision Hawk deal, there was an opportunity, really, for the FAA, remember, Oh, we got to have data. We've been hearing that for, you know, I, I can't even remember how long we've we've heard that. 20 years. You know. 20 years. Okay, exactly. I didn't want to sound, uh, you whippersnappers, but it's true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we need the data, and uh, the the Pathfinder uh, program was going to be the data. And that's why I was really surprised that there were no – logs, no data, no nothing. And, uh, you know, everybody was able to say that that was okay. So I, I think what you have in this industry is, uh, you know, like you said, people want it to work. And even, you know, uh, that Cooper lady went over to work for Hyundai's flying car thing, which, you know, if you talk to, to people inside the FAA, they, they don't even think that whole deal is going to be fleshed out in anybody's current, you know, lifetime. Uh, and, and I tend to agree. I, uh, you know, I didn't know this, but uh, uh, what's his name? Our, our, uh, and you remember this guy because he, he gave the rah-rah speech at the ASTM kickoff. He was there talking about the F-35 and the LSA, or old Earl Lawrence. Remember the rah-rah speech? Oh, these standards oh, yeah. are going to work. It did so much for LSA, and they're only going to be $50,000. And that turned out to be a total, uh, not even a fantasy, total unmitigated uh, horse crap. Anyway, so he was over at aircraft certification. I hear he, he got uh, he got transferred over to, to next gen. And I'm surprised on that, you know, because he was supposedly like the guru and, you know, knew everything about that. And I wonder what that's going to do with the timelines for not only drones, but AAM. You know, I, I wonder about that. Um and I'm also, you know, this is another thing. I'm, I'm wondering if that uh, Joby incident, if we're ever going to see the incident report, because that must be they were flying that around in military airspace. You know, how did that? You know, how that happen? I mean, you could pay, 
you know, to do that. So I guess if you got the deep pockets and then the benefit of that is you can kind of control the message because we saw that with uh, some of the other DOD contractors, remember? Indeed. Indeed. So, you know, is is that even – is it even relevant because you're not really getting the data you need? So I, the, the whole deal is really messed up. I, uh, you know, then, then you had, you know, we've had some other changes uh, in the group. You know, the, the Abigail Smith lady, who is now, uh, I guess, second in command over at the UASIO, if they're still even calling that. You, know, you got to change the nomenclature on everything every couple of years, so it looks like you're getting something done. Uh, but I, I, she was the head of the policy and regulatory group. She was the director uh, there and then went over to be the, the second banana at the UASIO. You know, it sounds like a demotion to me. So there's things not really going very good over there in uh, the, the policy and regulation uh, regulatory group. I don't think that there was. Uh, it is because, you know, it, you know, get going into this uh, audit here. There are uh, some real issues, and it, and it goes back. They've, they've got this going back uh, to 2012, uh, this audit report. And, and last time I talked to the uh, IG's office over at the DOT, the guy, I'm like, hey, man, this is going on. This is going on. That's going on. Got to look into this. And he said, look, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand. But we, we have a full plate with the FAA. We're, we're really, you know, we, we got a lot. <laughs> lot with them and it goes back to 2012 man 2012 audit initiated of faa's oversight of unmanned aircraft systems uh you remember i mean you know i I could just read off some of these reports they did faa's uh, faces significant barriers to safety safely integrate unmanned aircraft systems in the national airspace system this is this is uh june of 2014 the end of 2014, FAA's progress and challenges in integrating unmanned aircraft systems into the national airspace system. Okay. Um, and then we got, um, I can't even count this high, August of 2015, audit initiated of FAA's approval and oversight process for civil unmanned aircraft systems. Now, do you remember what was supposed to happen in, uh, you know, let's say, I, I guess it's, when it's September of 2015, you remember what was supposed to happen there, Gene? You're going to have to remind me because um, that's sort of the news I don't keep up with. Yeah, that's well, a long time ago. Ancient history. Ancient history. Well, I remember the uh, 2012 uh, FAA reauthorization that Congress mandated that uh, put into law that the uh, they would fully integrate drones into the NAS. And that came and went. So you know, here we are today. I remember that. And I remember, uh, and I remember telling the, the guy at AUVSI that now works at Amazon. Amazon picked the winner. Uh, you know, AUVSI got to basically write the language for the reauthorization bill. And I tell that story. But even in that one, I was like, this sounds good. You know, we got these milestones, and you got to do this and that, and the other thing. There's one, no money to make any of this happen in here, and two, no ramifications for not hitting the deadlines. Not going to work. Oh, you're a jerk. You know, you're not helpful. You know, 
Hey, man, I, I, I don't uh, live on the candy land game board, okay? I'm, I'm out here in the reality land, and I've never seen any government, state, local, federal, do diddly squat without some money. Maybe I'm wrong. You see that? Uh, you ever see that happen? No, I mean, one of the things that I do remember really well is when they designated the whole worldwide centers of excellence, of of which Texas was blessed with one of those. And that was another one of those unfunded mandates that said, okay, you got to do this, this, and this. We're not going to give you any money, uh, and you're going to collect data. And, you know, I, I only heard you know, just a handful of reports of things that were going on. I myself went down and visited the one in Corpus Christi and, and tried to get involved there. And uh, obviously the the price to play was pretty significant for a small startup. And if you'll remember, I had RP flight systems at the time. I was going to manufacture fixed-wing drones. I had the Spectra, the whole nine yards. And the way I see it, after 10 years of being in business with that particular company, I'm pretty happy I made it out with my credit report still over 750. So I did pretty well in the drone industry, I may say. Yeah, you got out with your shirt. Um, well, that's I knew that was never going to work. And then, you know, they had the test centers. That, that, that really came out of uh, the, the small UAS arc. And the idea with that was it's, it's really – that the um, DOD vendors were going to basically be able to open up their own test center so they can, you know, before you sell stuff to the government, you know, you got to, there's usually a, a military officer that goes through the manifest, you know, you, you have to put it together, test it, fly it, make sure it works, you know, because yeah, they've probably been burnt once or twice. Uh, so that created a real hassle for the DOD guys because they, instead of being able to do it in town, you know, or at your uh, GA airport or whatever, you had to go to military airspace and fly it around. So, you know, it's the same deal with the test centers. You get everybody there. I mean, I've done this too. I've, I, you know, had to run crews for both the Navy and the Army. And usually when you're going to go out to some military installation or whatever, it's out in the middle of, well, hell, you know, right between uh, Las Cruces and Alamogordo, which is, you know, I could 70 miles or 80 miles from El Paso. So, you know, you can imagine what, what's out there, tumbleweeds, sand, and, uh, you know, you have all those people out there on per diem, hotels, cars, gas, food. Um, you know, and, and you really can't get a lot done um, because you're, you know, you usually have to takes two hours to get out there and two hours to leave, blah, 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 set up the tests, all the rest of that stuff. And it's very costly. So the, the DOD vendors wanted to do their own thing. And they got to, that was some of the stuff that really uh, chapped my hide, you know, uh, you know, in situ Boeing got, they were flying out of, what was it, Boardman or whatever, which is a GA airport, you know, and they were doing commercial stuff. And the, remember the FAA, you can't do commercial because, you know, this is illegal, but you know, yep. it's such, all of it is such a, a you know, 
it, it, it's such a bullshit story. It's not even funny. I mean, you know, the, um, they've been lobbying so you can remember. I, I brought it up on the arc and I said, how, how are you guys, you know, with light sport aircraft? How are you guys doing instruction? Because you remember they were like, $1 changes hands, that's commercial. Or if somebody buys you a beer or whatever, that's in kind services. And I'm like, well, how are people learning how to uh, fly LSA aircraft? Is just all altruism? Um, you know, they're doing it for free. No, they weren't doing it for free. And they just made the ruling after almost, you know, uh, 15, 17, 18 years that, you know, instruction uh, is not commercial for LSA. So that all that shows me is, is you know, everybody wrings their hands. And, oh, it's all about safety and the FAA. That's all, that's all a bullcrap story. What it is, is is you have effective advocacy or you have what the drone industry has, which is a bunch of uh, carnival barkers and grifters um, who, who are doing that same thing with a small pond model. You know, and there's a little bit of money. I mean, you know, AVSI's motto was, is we're not, uh, we're not going to do anything that works ourselves out of a job. You know, wait, wait. <laughs> or, uh, you know, solve any problems. Jesus, what are you nuts? So, you know, to me, um, that's disingenuous. And, you know, I got I got problems with those people. And I know he's nuts. You know, yeah, I'm nuts. All right. Because uh, I'm not I'm not going to bootlick. I'm not going to be a lapdog for money. Uh, I'm just not doing that. That's not my uh, makeup. Um, so, you know, like you said, you couldn't afford to go down there. And I still see all of this happening. You know, everybody, that, that model has kind of uh, changed into one where uh, municipalities want to have, uh, you know, the future of aviation and UAM and AAM. And it, it reminds me of the Simpsons with the Shelbyville monorail. Um, you know, there's no money. Uh, we need to get some money. Who are, who are we going to bleed for this? And there are certain areas around uh, around the country, um, and it's usually kind of anchored by somebody who's got deep pockets to which the groups and, and participants in the governments go to constantly and ask for money, ask them to assume risk, um, which to them it's like, what, what's the point? You know, what, what's in it for me? Yeah, what's in it for me? And you you have to ask that question because if you're running a business, you know, a, a large Fortune 500 company, it's like you know there there's got to be some benefit for the stockholders here. Um, I, I can't just uh, you know do you know whatever harebrained idea comes up, or you have some other group there that wants to you know do investment. Oh, we're gonna do this, and you know, and headed up by some of the same grifters we were talking about before. And AirMap is another grifter organization, um, you know, that um, – and then they run off. They're looking for somebody they can tap for money, um, and, and it just doesn't happen. So, you know, that is another one. Even, uh, you know, and I complain about this too. People, they don't – they're like, oh, we don't get it. So, you know, you got that inner circle of folks with their cell phone apps. And they go along with what the FAA says we need to do, like the um, repeal of Section 336. And I don't, I don't even know if the final rule came out for the hobbyist. I mean, do they have to get registered as the rule out? It, it's hard to keep up with it all. But, you know, you had people like that uh, Kitty Hawk that's now aloft. You had people like AirMap. 
you had people like DJI, um, and basically they were like whatever whatever way the wind was blowing, and, and they could get in there and make a little bit of money, or you know, uh, let's say have some regulations where um, it would steer customers to them with their app. I can think of a whole bunch of companies, and even the DJI thing. Oh, you know, we 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 went for federal present preemption. We didn't want, you know, and that's that's bullcrap. When the wind was blowing, that you know, local municipalities were going to be able to make their own rules, and local law enforcement were going to enforce the bars, and they were going to get to keep the fines. And all. that's back. It's rearing its ugly head back. Um, DHS is pissed off at the FAA. The FAA has been dragging its butt on the. You know, all of this, the RID thing, which was, uh, you know, the, the PRC version of RID. You got those other guys over there that they're advocating for the uh, industry and they're getting patents off of technology that they were either pitching or rounding out in the uh, RID arc. I, I, the whole deal's nuts. None of it's memorialized. Nobody knows what's going on. It's all backroom deals. And, um, you know, and supposedly they tell these people that they're advocating for them. And then you get the fanboys out there who just, oh, so it's so it's such a good advocate for the industry. He's really trying hard. Well, okay, what can you point to as progress? Well, we don't have any progress. Oh, okay. So they're advocating for you, but the guy, you know, he's got a patent for the technology that is going to take away your freedom. That basically invalidates the Fourth Amendment, which is another side note. For anybody following the race day quads thing, uh, inside the FAA, they think they're going to lose that one. And I, and I may have mentioned this before. Go ahead, Gene. Well, you know, when we talk about all these businesses that go out and fail and stuff like that uh, after two years. And, and I've had some personal experience with I'm going to go back to the IG report, okay, uh, the IG audit, mm-hmm. because they state right there what the challenges have been. 80% of the participants in the IPP state that the FAA would not accept any risk mitigation as a limiting factor in reaching the program goals. And I have been there before trying to say, look, I'll do this to make it safe or I'll do that. And uh, as absurd as it got was on the border in California where there is an area in San Diego that is below ground level. And I told them, look, I'll fly below ground level, below navigable airspace. And they denied me because something could go wrong. You know, okay, yeah, something could go wrong, but as far as I know, gravity still sucks the same way when things go wrong. Yes, physics. You know, so... And then you heard the, the, the silly things about, well, you could be bitten by a snake. Well, you know, yeah, you know, you could get hit by lightning, too. Those are the kind of obstacles that we ran into as we were trying to develop and, and produce a con-op that we could fly under. And and it's right here in the IG's report. I mean, they say it. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, another one you're going to hear, too, um, yeah, see, here's, I mean, there, there's so much in here. Really, if you want to, you know, don't, I, I should just say this. Don't take, people say I'm negative. Don't take my word for it. Read the uh, the, the OIG audit. Just read it. Read it for yourself. And I, even in that people at the FAA, they said, if you read it, I said, I read it. There, go, go back and reread it. Required rereading. Okay. I, I hear you. So I'm going to read it again. 
But, you know, it, it even talks about uh, preemption. And Congress has provided FA with the exclusive authority for preemption. I, I, you know, even that, that conversation that came up with the local municipalities and, and all the rest of that, even when people were doing that, I go, that's, that's bull crap. Because if you look at, you want to just, um, you know, here's an example of federal preemption is, is the Avgas deal. You know, EPA says no amount of lead is safe for kids, all the rest of that stuff. And they've been working on a new fuel for GA um, that doesn't have, you know, the 100 low lead, which is a misnomer. It's got lots of lead in it. And there's a reason for that. Um, but, you know, it's, there's, I, I mean, it was like 600 tons last time I checked on it of, of uh, lead being spread around indiscriminately around the country. Even here in California, we have no, you know, there are strict laws say no uh, leaded gasoline will be dispensed in any motor vehicle and, and aircraft are included in that, except that there's federal preemption and the FAA overrules the state. So, um I'm like the, the 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 let's say the precedent already exists. All, all you got to do is look around. But I did find some other stuff in here, uh, like the participant comments regarding FAA's balancing safety with innovation. And so here was one of them that I thought was really good. So the FAA often uses the term "crawl, walk, run" to illustrate the speed at which progress would be made towards the new and innovative UAS operations, including beyond visual line of sight. And here's the punchline on that one. It appears that uh, it appears we are still in the crawl stage of this journey. Um, FAA overly risks adverse tendencies, adverse tendencies when considering new and innovative concepts of operation, which delay innovation. Um, there's it, this thing is riddled with. There's no. There's no spelled out goals. There's no data collection. There's no sharing of data. And these are all articles that I've written over the years. Hey, uh, where's the data? Where's the repository so, uh, you know, academic institutions can get it and look at it and sift through it and, you know, whatever else. Oh, well, that's all, you know, centers of excellence and we have a sure, which I'm sorry, a sure, you know, and I know that this is going to piss people off. I'm good at this. I'm very adept at this. <laughs> you're... you're you know, you're suckling at the T, okay? You're getting your money from the person. You're, you're or from the entity. Your, your findings are going to reflect what they want. That's how this game works. That's how it works with MITRE. You know, MITRE well, sells itself you know, as... Go ahead. Right there in that, that same area, you want to talk... I always say that, you know, you have to be specifically ambiguous to, to get what you need out of the Fed. So... Right there in, in the report, it says that there are no specific goals or benchmarks that they've identified to evaluate program success. That gives them all the wiggle room they need to say that we're exactly. not getting data, we're not collecting enough data. It's because, and, and you and I said this probably 15 years ago when they told us the first time, tell us what data you want us to collect and we'll collect it. And then when we said, when they didn't give us anything, we said, okay, here is the data that we're collecting that we think is going to be helpful, probably more than you need. And then they came back and said, oh, it can't be qualified. It can be made up. Right. Well, you, I mean, you remember that, that, right? Is, 
Oh, I remember all of that. Uh, I, I remember uh, in 2011 at, uh, in Paris, you know, at that, um, the uh, UBS International show, I asked Rick Prosak, you know, as head of the, I think it was still the UAPO at that point, and they said no data, and uh, I, I guess I embarrassed him because I asked, I go, by now you guys got to have something. Anything like scribbled down on the back of a napkin, data-wise, inclinations, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, the funny thing is, is the guy, you know, basically um, came out and said, you know, I, I, I guess it was such a harsh question. Uh, that's when it started with the FAA that, you know, they were starting to tell people that they wouldn't do business with thing to do with me, which I thought was telling. I mean, I, I, I offered solutions. I said, hey, man, uh, use the, the GAATA survey. You can use a version of that and it will uh, give you the data like we've got for safety for GA. Uh, I haven't even heard of that. He didn't even hear about it. He didn't even know. So the other thing with the FAA that's, uh, you know, kind of pissing me off is these people are just middle managers. This is how you get an F-35 jet. This is how you get that Artemis rocket. Um, and, and things go billions over budget and drag on. The dying show just goes for years. Uh, because nobody knows what they're talking about. And I think that that's the issue at the FAA. And everybody goes, oh, there's good people that work at the FAA. And you know what? There might be good people that work at the FAA. But management does everything it can to sandbag those people, firewall them from actually getting anything done. And uh, that's another thing that's in the report here. They talk about, you know, turnover and everything else. The amazing Grogan, the guy that was running the waiver thing, who could uh, tell you if operations were safe in the past and in the future uh, from his desk phone with a five-minute conversation. He, he, got, uh, he didn't get fired. You don't get fired as, as in federal government. They just uh, – you get reassigned somewhere. You get demoted. Uh, you become someone second banana, whatever. So they knew he, he screwed the pooch, you know. Um, and all of these people that are leaving and moving, you had uh, – um, Dan Elwell had to leave the FAA again under another dark cloud. You know, he's over there at Joby doing the certification for them. These people have no shame. They don't, they don't get anything done until they get out. But whatever, you know, that's okay. You, you can do that too if you want to. I mean, you know, everybody's got to make a buck, right? I remember in, when the 2015 uh, NASA integration thing came around, um, you know, the, basically the FAA said, oh, well, you know, ATO, the air traffic organization, they're just not going to be ready. Oh, okay. There's no data to back that up. There's no game plan. There's no what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Uh, you know, nothing. And there were no ramifications. So you, you go through this, um, you know, participant comments on the FAA's organiza organizational structure. I mean, I don't see any method or structure or organization or anything uh, besides people going on junkets and, and uh, you know, selling the same stuff. I did not go to the um, UAS symposium again this year. I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of anyone at AUDSI to give me a press pass. And, I mean, on, on principle, I'm not paying – uh, AUESI $399 to put on a symposium that other federal organizations put on for free. So I have access to um, public employees. Does that make sense to you, or does that sound like I'm just hard-headed? <laughs> well, well, we can all be kind of hard-headed when it comes to that particular organization. We've had our run-ins with them, but 
Uh, yeah, you're right. I, there's there's a lot of things that you can go to the government puts on free. I've, I've got to tell you, while you were talking, Patrick, I was digging around on my computer looking in, in, in the Wayback Machine and the archives, and uh, you talk about data being collected. Do you remember uh, – this was back when I was still in the throes of writing software but with RCAP, but we came out with a free RCAP drone logbook that was software Ooh. that you could put on your PC – and we had all the, you know, usual stuff that everybody is collecting for, you know, date, time, flight, what you're doing, duration, outcome, whole nine yards. And if you'll recall, we were going to have it anonymously report up to a website, any website that they wanted. And we gave that away for free. That, you know, that's that actually, that was 2007, and that's actually a precursor to all of the flight control and, and flight monitoring fleet management systems that you see out there today. How far ahead well, of the game were we at that point in 2007? Uh, well, we, were, we also came into the arc with, uh, you know, uh, proposed regulations that I thought were better than even uh, the 107. Uh, and training standards. Uh, and uh, I saw the training standards as well. If you recall, we were going to have them uh, have uh, prospective pilots perform uh, while they're being videoed for their final exam, so that it could be proctored or could be reviewed, and you know you could get your your license that way. No must, no fuss. Yeah, you're talking about a practical test. Which was not in one of yes, practical, a practical uh, test where you actually had to prove you could fly. And, and so, you know, this is another uh, issue that you know. So maybe our mistake was is that we weren't trying to monetize it. You know, I think that that might have been the the, the problem because uh, remember that the FAA. Oh, we don't really know. Uh, you know, this, that, the other thing, and we basically had solutions for all of them, all of their problems for free. Gave it to them didn't do anything with it. And worse than that is you have uh, organizations, you have to see organizations like AVSI that wouldn't back us up on it because it wasn't something that they could make money on. That's one of the main beefs that I have with AVSI. It's like, hey, why don't you try something novel and do something for the benefit of the uh, membership? I know it's crazy talk. Um, you know, I was thinking of membership first. Holy mackerel. Who'd do that? Uh, but anyway, uh, that was kind of what we were thinking. And we were thinking of that because we wanted to see this this industry, uh, ex- or, you know, excel. And uh, we had already saw all of these uses that are new today. And it, it, it really, I, I laugh at people get, they bristle, you know, when they go, oh, yeah, drones are new. Uh, somebody was doing that 25 years ago. Well, we're doing it now, and they realize, you know, I, I didn't care what you realized. It basically was shut down. You know, there's a, there's a gap. Um, and that's another thing that we're seeing even in, uh, you know, the Ukraine. What we're seeing in the Ukraine uh, is the, the $40 million copy capabilities are able to be done for a million dollars copy. Um, even the AeroVironment switchblade, uh, you know, People are like, oh, this is cutting-edge technology that's kicking the Russians in the shins. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, you know, uh, we remember Procerius back in 2008 or 2009. That, that was possible. It's like you threw it away. You just gave it away. You, you okay. gave it away, and you gave it away um, through that crap ITAR stuff, 
which people still don't understand. And you gave it away because you shut it, you shut it down and there was no markets for anybody, but the Chinese for, you know, 10 years. And uh, so that's where we're at on that. And I think that there's still a lag with um, this, because remember, even if you think about it, right, there were no commercial regs until 2016. The mandate was for 2015 and the, and the FAA was saying we needed data. And then remember also, they said that they weren't going to take data from a legal, you, you couldn't do, they wouldn't take any data from a legal uh, activity. You remember that one too? So, I mean, yep. you, you, you yep. want to talk about Box Canyon. I mean, you, you can't even go yeah. out here and operate. You can't do anything, you know, but we need you to give us data. But there's no way for you to go get it. And then it talks about these arbitrary um, waivers. And I've done many stories about the waivers. It's cut and paste. You see people are sloppy. They don't even uh, change the names of the company or principals or whatever. They cut and paste it and send it over. And the FAA rubber stamps it. And, and for, as a you know, fair-minded person, um, if you, you're not even doing the due diligence to check the names of the names of the company that you're, you're approving these, these waivers. And then you got, you know, other people that are doing the cut and paste waiver deal and they're not asking for exemptions for A&Ps or, you know, uh, <laughs> exemptions for other, uh, you know, the, the caveats for Part 137 and whatever. And the FAA rubber stamps it, approves it. Again, there's no due diligence. Nobody's reading through there. Then they come back and, and whack people that, uh, you know, uh, complain. Uh, you know, it, it's it's like uh, – some kind of La Costa Nostra thing, you know, or or something. I, I don't. It's just. It's, I don't. I don't understand how you know uh, this country with a constitution can allow this kind of uh, tomfoolery to happen. It's a, it's a mind blower. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? And uh, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. But uh, you know, we, we can't. I say that, yeah, and, and I'm not a pessimist. I really am not. I, I'm just an optimist with a track record, and the last 20 years' track record has been pretty rough. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe this this whole disinformation czar will start get, getting us the straight scoop. You think? That woman looks nuts. Scary Poppins. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's a... Uh... I, I, you know, it's uh, it's a total 1984 deal, and and I don't know, you know, even uh, on on uh, I, I did one of those hangout things on Twitter, and it was mainly uh, people from Australia last week, and they're just like, what the hell is going on with the United States? It's just you know, they're they're in total disbelief. Um, what I'm seeing, you know, and I don't want to be too Debbie Downer, but what, what, what's happening, it's just too complicated. It's too um, – you, you can't get anything done here. The other big issue that I think we have is – and I go back to this all the time. I was doing some research on the, the U-2 spy plane, which, you know, is from the 50s, and SR-71, and all of the programs uh, that were, let's say, prior to that – and the uh, competitions for these aircraft and all of the different companies who offered different solutions, you know, um, consolidation, they're all gone. That's all gone. And even the technology thing was a byproduct, uh, you know, like Silicon Valley was a, was a byproduct as far as I'm concerned 
uh, by and large, of the California's um, aerospace industry, which in the 50s and 60s, man, that, that this, play, this state was chock full of, um, you know, space, uh, aircraft. I mean, Fairchild was, uh, you know, they, they were the people making semiconductors. Steve Wozniak's dad worked for Lockheed. You know, they got uh, transistors. Uh, they were visual blends or whatever, and they got the transistors for the home brew computer company and all the rest of that. And that was the ecosystem that technology um, flourished out of. That was the motor or whatever. And that's over. Now it's cloistered. Um, and we do not have that. And we are paying the price for that. So I think when the FAA changed from the Civil uh, Aviation Authority or CAA, whatever the acronym was at the time, and they were charged with promoting air commerce, when it became the FAA, that got uh, cut out. And maybe at the time that was okay because there was so much aerospace uh, in the United States that they just figured this was a given and was going to roll on. But now I, I directly attribute uh, the lack of um, innovation to to regulatory malaise that we, we have here. Do you, you agree or disagree with that? Well, I think if you look at uh, past administrations, there was uh, one in particular that caused a great hue and cry because he said if you want uh, to pass another law, you're going to have to get rid of two that are on the books right now. Um, so there was someone else in, in some other group that thought the same thing that we did, that regulation ends up being so onerous and so difficult for, to overcome and to comply with that it kills commerce, period. And uh, I an believe – Well, you know, pardon I mean, me? Uh, an innovation, you know. Oh, I, of I course. Mean, yeah, that's you, Yeah, obviously. Even, um, you know, so you have people in Congress that were, you know, and I'm not a big fan of uh, Jeff Bezos, Pitbull, you know, or whatever, uh, or even Elon Musk or whatever. But if it wasn't for these guys, and we've talked about this commercial space thing, you know, we'd be totally reliant on the Russians who we're, we've got these harsh sanctions on to get to the space station, right? So, you know, some guy from Congress, and he's a socialist came out yesterday and said, well, hey, should we give, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos a $10 billion tax credit for space? And, it, it, and you know, it's a, like you were saying, these people are kind of out of touch with reality. We're paying the Russians $4 billion a year to get people to the space station. And that's been going on for years. So, you know, you're going to give some domestic company a $10 billion tax break to develop space uh, capabilities, right? Um, or you want to just keep paying the Russians. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't really think I'm really that smart of a guy, but it's like, you know, I look at this stuff and it's like, none of this makes sense from a business standpoint of view. You're beholden to uh, someone you're trying to demonize, you know, uh, it, it, you got this, I don't even know what the cost is on the space station now, but what are you just going to abandon it? Just walk away from it. Because uh, you can't get there, or are you going to come up with uh, other solutions? And there are people that bellyache, you know, that NASA gave uh, SpaceX $2 billion, and they probably would have went out of business without the money. But I think it was a good investment. You? 
I'm sorry, I couldn't get the mute button to go off. The dogs are barking at the thunder. Yeah, I, I, I think so, sure. Uh, you know, and, and uh, it's always been the private sector that has brought some of these great innovations to the forefront. Well, uh, yeah, especially with the budget, you know, I, I did um, allude to, you know, the, the uh, launch vehicle, NASA's launch vehicle. I mean, that thing is way over time and budget and, um, you know, that's that's another byproduct of the system that we have. But, you know, NASA's got, I don't know, $26 billion budget or something. We're, we're giving the Ukrainians $33 billion. You know, some of this stuff just doesn't – and they're, they're handing out money like it's candy. I, I, I just don't uh, – I don't get it. It's like, you know, is it, I, is it a Peter principle, yeah. inside job? What's going on? That's that's just what they are the the public number that they're putting out. I think that ancillary numbers would be, you know, at least as high. Well, we could use that money here. You know, everybody. I mean, that's another effort. The FAA. Oh, we're doing STEM. You know, if you you know, or they're also doing this inclusivity thing. <clears throat> you know, really, all the government is supposed to do is offer opportunity. You open the NASA, right? You you do the full blown thing for drones and there's going to be plenty of stem jobs and there'll be stem jobs oh, yeah. for whoever wants them um so oh, yeah. it's it's like you know putting a band-aid on the uh the amputated arm you know um it just it just it doesn't make any sense but i want to you know i want to kind of wrap this deal up on the, on the recommendations and there are six recommendations and and people have to realize too that you know, when the GAO does a report or the uh, IG's office does a report, they, 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 don't, they don't get heavy. You know, the, you know you're not going to uh, – it's all part of the machine, and, the, you know, there's a checks and balances, and you got to put on the show, do this and that. And if enough people complain, you gotta, you got to do something. But nobody gets heavy. Nobody gets named. Nobody says, hey, you know what, this is a, a – a total carnival and you, and you got to clean it up. You know, the, the elephant uh, dung is everywhere and you need to clean that up. Um, no one will do that. So you got to understand that this is, this is, uh, this is supposed to like seem like it's harsh, but to me, it doesn't really seem very harsh, but the, the recommendations vindicate, I think what I've been saying and, and what you've been saying and others have been saying about the dysfunction for two decades. And it's been going on for longer than that. People realize, oh, you know, it's only been a few. Now it's been going on for about 30 years. So um, the recommendations are as follows. These recommendations are made to improve FAA's use of UAS IPP results, including in its current program, Beyond, which was UAS IPP thing first. And I think that that was first initiated in 2017. Trump made some declaration, yada, yada, yada. IPP went on for a little while, nothing got done, and as I alluded to earlier in the, in the conversation, they changed the name of the program. That way it looks like you get some progress and you can't point to luck. Oh, we had a complete, you know, poop show over here, kind of like the DAC getting changed to AC. You know, we're, we're leaving all of that baggage behind. There's a whole other point I didn't even get to, um, <laughs> which I will do after the recommendations. But number one, um, Establish goals, milestones, and performance measures of success for the BEYOND program to guide and track agency and participants' progress towards achieving BEYOND visual line of sight operations. 
That sounds good, right? That, that, the goals and the milestones and performance measures of That's success. That's the way most I mean, project they, managers do it. Yeah, I, I would call that a norm, right? <laughs> you know, you got to goals, milestones. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. So that sounds good. I mean, that doesn't sound harsh. Number two, and it is a good one, too. Communicate to beyond stakeholders how program operations, societal, and economic benefit data will be used, analyzed, and shared to inform new policies, safety reviews, and rulemaking, including the rule for UAS operations beyond visual line of sight. Analyze and share. You want some data? Gosh, I mean, that's a new one. That sounds good to me. How about you? Same song, 182nd verse. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Here we go. Three. And this is this is another big one here. This this is a heavy lift. Implement a process to periodically periodically assess the data collected during beyond annually at a minimum to determine if it is providing needed information and make adjustments as necessary. Golly, <laughs> wow! Holy moly! Collect data. In, oh, gosh. In, in, in there a Six Sigma book on project management that that states all this, or did they just cut and paste? I, I, I don't know. Or maybe someone just kind of took a look at what's been going on for the last 20 years. I don't know. Here's a good one. This is one, and this is one that we heard all the time, too, with the proprietary data from the DOD vendors. Number four, provide stakeholders and the general public with non-proprietary information related to beyond results via the FAA website or other appropriate means. Transparency? You're talking, wait, that's transparency. <laughs> Holy mackerel. That crazy man. That's uh, that's some crazy talk right there. All but, right, but then it has to go through the disinformation board. Well, it gets scary poppins on that. Number five: identify interagency points of connection and lines of authority responsible for approving and integrating new UAS technologies. Evaluate options to. Proof working across lines of business and implement the best option based on the agency's evaluation. Yeah, we talk about like a workflow issue. You know, the 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 office the offices don't talk to each other. I mean, we did see the one lady got the demotion over there from the policy and regulation <laughs> group. I, I don't know, you know, maybe they're moving in the right direction. Maybe she's bringing over some good ideas. I, I don't know. And then finally, we got number six. Okay. And this is funny, too, and I think we, we talked about some of this. Evaluate the causes of IPP program manager turnover, as well as the communication and transfer of knowledge, policies, and procedures to new program managers in the transition process and implement actions to address those issues and beyond. I mean, in the beginning there, number one, they say establish goals, milestones, and performance measures, right? So how would you transfer, and I'm just asking as a casual observer over here, right? How are you How are you going to transfer to the new program managers, you know, all of this policies, procedures, and, and everything else? If you don't even have the baseline of goals, milestones, and, and performance measures sussed out, is that a fair question, Gene? Well, considering that that 
Last item is big old duh. Um, yeah, and again, there's a lot of smart people out there, and I've worked under a lot of really, really good project managers that have a grip on everything that needs to get done in very complex, complex projects. And if you don't have, number one, established, you're going to drive that person away because it drives them crazy because every time you do something and you tell, you're, you're told you've done it wrong, you go, whiskey tango fox. You know, you didn't tell me how to do it. I took my own initiative and did it, and then you kicked me in the teeth. Screw that. I'm out of here. Yes, exactly, and morale is low. So, you know, the the good thing about the agency comments and, and uh, OIG response, um, you know, they sent some, the draft over to the FAA on March 10th, and it received a response on April 7th from the FAA, and it says it's included, although I didn't see it in here. Uh, FAA conferred with all six recommendations and provided appropriate actions and planned completion dates. And I have a feeling that um, what's going to happen is those are going to come and go. You know, that, that's what I think. The, First those they dates. have to and, find new personnel. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, it is here. Okay, I'm going to have to read through that. But, uh, oh, yeah, here's some of the issues. There you know. Uh, that the FAA cited all IPP program participants were volunteers and no funding was provided to conduct operations, provide data, or staff the IPP. The FAA utilizes existing resources to quickly establish and staff the program, including temporary details from other parts of the agency. So this kind of goes back, too, to, to what I was talking about with the funding. And if you don't get funding, nobody's going to do anything. And then the IPP thing relies on the um, commercial operators who only have limited uh, avenues to make money to pay for all of this stuff. I, um, I, I don't, I, well, I know where all the problems are. We've discussed them, but the FAA agrees that concrete goals and quantitative performance metrics are necessary to monitor progress towards the safe integration of beyond visual line of sight operations into the NAS. So they know that they know all of these problems. They agree. There's issues. They got to do stuff. Uh, to me, anybody still working there, that's been there in a managerial position for uh, you know a few years or whatever. They, not should they be fired, but you know they should hang their head in shame and leave. The other, uh, the last issue I've gotten I wanted to touch on. We ran long, of course. Is you know so so stuff keeps dribbling out about DJI, right? And I don't want to beat up on DJI, and I'm not anti-Chinese. I think great product, great price. Uh, they're doing everything right. The PRC is doing the right thing, giving them funding, building them an ecosystem, all of that, marketing, everything. It's all good. I don't have a problem with that. If I was Chinese, I'd have the pom poms and the and the megaphone, and I'd be you know sis boom ba ra ra ra, all of it. Um, but the issue for me, you know, with the RID thing, the geofencing, the aeroscope. All of, let's say, the, the influence of DJI on the rules for the U.S. NAS uh, gives me pause. Do you see any issues with that, or do you think I'm overreacting? Well, I, you know, I think that they have learned 
that uh, when you run up against things like the Constitution, that they're, they're you're just not going to back down. Uh, you know, the the scope Aeroscope was uh, sending PII, you know, personally identifiable information, and uh, you just don't do that. And obviously, sales tanked on it, and uh, you know that's what they're responding to is the dollar. I mean, we're we're yeah. a big chunk of their economy, and uh, I, I think that may get them to to bring better into line what we're we're trying to get to. So you know, I, I've kind of got to wait and see. And, and I'm I'm like you, Patrick. They they listened to their user group, and they thought their user group was you know going to be mostly these people making the the pretty selfies and the pretty pictures and doing movies and stuff like that. And they probably never thought that they were going to get so deeply entrenched in something like DOD regulations and public safety stuff that, you know, it is under constitutional scrutiny. Well, and and, and the PR was – the PR and the policy was just handled – I mean, I don't think you could have done a worse job, you know. Uh, and well, people, uh, they're not they they're not Americans. They not they, if they would have hired a well, actually, I guess they did kind of try to hire some uh, some American PR people to promote the product for them. But maybe they didn't make the, yeah. the right selection. No, and uh, you know the thing is is. Um, the thing that bugs me with that is, is all along they, their strategy was to call people conspiracy theorists, uh, tin foil hat wearers. I mean, I was one of them. I mean, they came after me uh, multiple times on this deal. But everything I said, like the uh, IG report being vindicated on all of the problems with the FAA, I mean, it's all in here, everything I've been talking about, all in here. So anybody, I mean, I will be able to now, I got to keep this link because then anybody goes, you know, click here, check, read this. Just read that, you know, and then you can read my stories and, and uh, you know, see for yourself. Um, <laughs> it's right here, black and white, man, read it. So the, my uh, issues that I have is instead of attack that highlight problems, and I, and I like Michael Perry, and I have a feeling that Michael Perry got, you know, uh, run out on a rail because he was a little bit different. We want to support people, behind, you know, behind the camera, kind of the ethos that he was selling. And then it changed to something more draconian uh, after he left, and uh, drone flaws take over took over where it was something that uh, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about. Any any time anyone or I was to question any of the policy moves or funding from the PRC or privacy or data collection or anything, I was crazy. I didn't know what I was talking about. Nobody listens to me. You're you're nuts. It's just not true. All of that was propaganda. And it was vindicated in every issue. So the thing that really cheeses me off, right, at the end of the the end of all of that, is you had a situation where it came out and nobody believes it until you see it in the Washington Post. We well, talked about it at SUS News, you know, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, you know, years ago that all of these things were issues. Um, and basically what you had is you had the FAA took a guy and let him put his hand on the tiller, you know, or make policy or concur on policy, who was, who was basically, at the end of the day, uh, we're getting funding from the PRC. So you're basically an agency 
of CCP PRC or an agent of. And, uh, you know, that's cool. You know, you got a job, you got to, you know, pay the rent and all the rest of that stuff. But to me, uh, when you look at the numbers, I was over there at Jonathan Ruprick's website, and you see the graph he put he put together. He went through all of the uh, registrations, and uh, DJI is just far and away. I mean, there's the, even if you stack all the other companies, it doesn't even it's not even significant in comparison no. to the market share that DJI has, right? And I'm for competition, you know, with all the rest of that stuff. So something's wrong there. So the Western governments gave these guys way too much control. We've made uh, some mistakes, you know, at the 250 grams and things like that. So I, I contend that really what needs to be done is I don't really want PRC influence on my life, you know, and the rules governing my life and my rights and all the rest of that. So I, I am saying that, you know, I'm not only going to say you got to totally rescind everything. I mean, it would probably be good, but at least that stuff should go. I think there should be some sort of independent board uh, that analyzes the rules and policy that was made with input from DJI personnel, a.k.a., you know, PRC and all the rest of that. Um, and they should go through there and, and look if that points to some sort of unfair advantage uh, to to a certain offshore company, um, and and I'm I'm sure that people will have opinions on that, but it's something to think about. And that's one other thing that I want I want to close on this with, and that's the law in Florida. G. Now I know this is something that you've been paying attention to. I know it's a warning yep. you gave, but the the law in Florida basically says you know if you're you're le whatever you 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 got to buy blue UAS right. Did you yep. see this coming? <laughs> well, after Kevin's little soiree into the uh, the bug bounty, yeah, that was a no-brainer. Uh, when, when you find PII, when, you know, I'm going to use all the, the acronyms, all the way up into, uh, you know, Chinese servers, that's a spy program. I'm sorry. Uh, whether they intended it to be or not, uh, if – something bad came down and we were suddenly uh, at odds with that, that group over there, they would use every bit of information they could get their hands on to get the edge, PII included. So I'm sorry. That, that's just the only way it can be looked at. Well, and uh, a, a lot of things that kind of bug me with all of that is, you know, people, oh, what's the big deal? You know, there's chain of custody ideas or uh, issues, you know, and who's got um, – who has got access to the information? Um, what, what's going yeah, exactly. on with that? And then oh, they would have it. They would have all access to that information. Right, and then there you had intelligence gathering information. And a lot of people think that you know they watch shows on TV and they're you know intelligence experts. And I'm not an expert, but I realize you know what makes for good intelligence. Uh, you know, potentially. Um, so those are issues. The other issue that I had from day one is that issue where, you know, when the, there was that incident in Las Vegas and the FBI had their DJI drones and they were geofenced and they, they couldn't fly. So you had an active yep. investigation going on in an act, uh, active site um, and they wanted to investigate it. The American taxpayer paid for all these drones uh, and they were unusable. Okay, and they were unusable until someone there made contact with Becky and Shenzhen, 
said, hey, we need you to unlock these. So, you, you know, here's somebody who's an agent of the PRC and, our, you know, federal law enforcement's got to call them and, and mother, may I? You know, it's, 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 yeah, uh, that, it's that's never sat well with me, for sure. It defies logic and reason. And then the same thing what we're seeing in the, the Ukraine with certain people getting, um, you know, special software. And snipers uh, using this to to uh, shoot operators, missiles being launched at operators. Um, now DJI finally came in and said, we're not going to sell any more um, drones in the area or whatever. But, you know, are you going to brick everything? You're bricking everything. You know, no. So I, it, it, it's an issue. And, and I'm not even saying that you maybe you shouldn't totally use that because there's stuff that you can do that, I'm sure it would be fine or whatever, but what it does, what it has done, and what the policy and the regulations have done is chilled competition uh, from domestic uh, drone industry. And, uh, you know, and you, what do you think? Yes, no, maybe so? Um... Well, regardless of, you know, that sort of, I don't know if you'd call it protectionist, legislation, if not security legislation, but you can't, you, you can't sell something that is not ready and cannot be relied upon. Quite frankly, the, the, the blue drone program was noble in its, in its inception and its intent, but there's nobody that has stepped up to the plate, and I'm going to include Skydio in this too because they've got some limitations that they haven't overcome yet, and uh, it's it's really unfair to them because we've already had a couple drop out, you know, because they they just couldn't manufacture at the the quality, quantity, and price that the PRC does. And there are agencies out there, and, and I was just at the, the, uh, the show last week, and I can't tell you how many agencies were moaning about the fact that they've got to get rid of all their DJI stuff because they've come to rely on it so much, and it is proven that a drone is a force multiplier. So, you know, here we have this, this conundrum that we're having to deal with, and it's, 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 it's an emotional one. <laughs> Uh, for a lot of folks, because they have saved lives with them. I mean, it's just wow. Well, I bet you know the thing is, is again, you know, we've we've talked about this coming, you know, four years ago, five years ago, uh, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, I, I, you know, again, I mean, I, I, I'm in, I'm getting laughed at for you know decades now, uh, talking about this stuff. Um, and I do think that the, the, the uh, military folks are starting to they, – they know there's a problem. They, they'll come straight out and say there's a capabilities gap. There's problems. Um, and, and I think that's a little bit of an understatement. And I do – you know, you got to blame ITAR a little bit um, for that because you don't have systems that you could go sell. But even if you look at the, you know, the aero environment, they had that ag drone. They're giving 10,000 of those away to uh, the Ukraine – I mean, when that rolled out, I want to say it was $16,000. It all, got all the way down to like six grand. Nobody wanted it. It's got an open source autopilot. I mean, that's another thing. With all these autopilots, people are using Pix, you know, or not I'm sorry, Pix Hawk, uh, the Cube, Ardu Pilot, whatever. And, uh, you know, the thing with open source, and I like open source because, you know, there's, there's some definite advantages of that. The, the thing that I don't like is we don't know who's contributing. 
We don't know what they're contributing. There's no vetting. And then somebody was floating out there that there's DO, um, DO something or other certification for the cube. And I guess, and I'm like, wow, you know, show me, show me the certification. You know, I want to see, uh, you know, but I guess it's like for the power supply and some of the ancillary systems, which is great. Because I even made that, uh, you know, recommendation years ago that we should probably get as certified as possible. And there are people doing it, but I want to say that that cube is like $6,000 or something. Um, but I don't think the code's DO certified anything. I don't know if there's certified partitions. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, but that's the, the realization that we don't know who's writing the code, when it's not validated, we, nothing is so really you're you're right back to square one. But a lot of people believe that even that code is in the DJI, which it could be. You know, remember they got the Kevin caught them with that where they were using some open source software that they were supposed to pay royalties on allegedly and you know. Whoops. Sorry, you know. Um so it's a it's, I, it's a I still contend I, I still contend, Patrick, that I know the Russians did it. <laughs> uh but I still contend that there is no reason why we shouldn't be able to buy DJI hardware and use their parts pipeline and everything else, get their birds over here, flush the buffers, clear out the chips, write our own firmware, and put it in there and make it a uniquely American drone, you know, with, made with world parts, as they say now. I still believe okay, well, we can I, do that. I'm a computer geek, oh, and I think I know it can be can. done. Oh, I, I know we can do it. I mean, you know, I, I just go back to the space program. You can put uh, men on the moon and bring them back multiple times. You can you can write code for a drone. And I do think it's possible. Uh, what I do think is is you're going to have to spend some money. And, you know, that goes back to the competition thing in the aerospace. You know, that I was talking about in the 50s and 60s here in the United States. That ecosystem doesn't really live here anymore. Uh, the investment, I mean, people have to understand that, you know, the investment from the PRC and the, and, and the DJI is over a billion dollars by accounts from India. That's not public here. Yeah. There are other reports that you could pay for, which is interesting too. Some of the companies that I asked for money to buy that report have gone out of business since then because they were like, well, we don't, we'll buy it and let you know if uh, I asked for money from some of the USA manufacturers to buy uh, these reports and we can find out exactly how much investment uh, there was, you know, it's a, it's a, we don't want to do that. Um, you know, oh, okay. That's fine. But anyway, um, so basically you're going to have to have somebody come along and put up the money to write the code. It's going to be millions. It's going to cost millions. And so what I do see, I do see the, the, the DOD machine is actually trying to pick up the torch and, do something. They know they need technology. They know they need, uh, you know, capabilities and all the rest. Of it. And they're trying to do what they can. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's a, a highly regulated process. Really what needs to happen here is, you know, some of these regions around the country that I was talking about, they talk about that they have an ecosystem going. You know, oh, we got this and we're going to do that in the future, air mobility and uh, UTM and all the rest of that. Um, you know, the only place I've really seen where they put tons of money into it, well, there's a few places, and, and I would say they're a little bit successful, but the government uh, of the area is putting millions into it, and they have limited success or whatever. But if you're going to really build an ecosystem where people are going to come and develop autopilots and capabilities and sensors and all the rest of that, 
you're, you're, you're talking about a large investment in the billions, uh, as far as I'm concerned, to build that ecosystem where these capabilities are going to come and you're going to retake the lead that you had 20 years ago. Agree or disagree with that? Uh, no, I agree. I agree. It's going to be a, a hard stretch, a hard road hoe on that one. Well, you know, um, we're, we're given uh, the Ukraine stack of billions, you know, peel off five of those. Only other problem I see with that is, unfortunately, uh, when you do that, the government sponsors something like that. By the time it filters down all the level, levels of managers and, and gets to the thing, you're probably getting 25 cents on the dollar, unfortunately. I've called for it before. You know, you need the drone czar guy. It's almost like the guy that, that GM hired uh, to do production or uh, the government hired to do uh, be like the production guy during World War II. The guy worked yep. his way up from the floor of the factory and you know, kicking out, you know, arsenal of democracy. We need somebody like that. Knows the regulations, going to do all of that and say, hey, this is, this is where we need to put the money to build stuff. To We have all the capabilities. We got the manpower, woman power. We have the brain power. We got it all. It's just all we lack is the will, in my estimation. So anyway, that's all I've got. Gene, closing comment on this, on this fine <laughs> podcast. Uh, well, we've gone long again, and it's just, just us, you and I talking. So, uh, yeah, it's no wonder that we don't get guests on and go easily go as long as we need to. But, no, uh, yeah, we've got more to talk about, things to do. We haven't even talked about the conference that I went to last week and some of the things that I learned there. And, um, yeah, we just got to do it again. Well, why don't you give us, why don't you give us the Calist Notes version of the conference because it will be stale by the next show. Oh. So you went to the show. Okay, um, let's get your rundown on that. Okay, went to the show. It was um, um, the, the typical AUVSI show. There's a lot of glitz, glamour, and a lot of stuff going on. Um, the the book, which is you know approaching you know a small municipality phone book size, with uh, everybody that's in there and the who's speaking and vendors and so on and so forth show schedules. Um, obviously, there are things that change, and you can't just reprint the book very quickly. So well, it was to be trusted, let's put it that way. Uh, the app, while, you know, you, when you could get it to, to load, it was good. Um, even then, sometimes there were errors. But, uh, you know, I really enjoyed seeing all the people again. Uh, it's been several years since either one of us have, have been to a show like this, and it was it was good to see the folks there. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it was kind of interesting also to see that since uh, – DJI would probably consider Florida a hostile environment. Uh, their booth wasn't all that big, understandably so. Um, I was really surprised. I went to some of the breakouts. Uh, the sessions uh, were, were the caliber of the sessions were not as good as they have been in the past. Um, mostly drawn from the locals there around the, the state that have been working with drones. You know, you get date. Uh, county and Miami that are starting to work with them, and, and they're the ones that we heard a lot of the the complaining about the that particular piece of legislation. But by the same token, it was very surprising to hear how far behind they were in the use and applications side of using drones. Um, 
and, and I'm not going to be specific about it, but uh, uh, there are folks that are using them for a lot more things, and they are just now discovering it in their public safety sector. Uh, a lot of walking. Uh, it's, uh, it was at the sec- second biggest conference center in the United States. So you walked a bunch. There was no two ways about it. You had to. But uh, other than that, it was uh, there are a lot of vendors there. We got to see a lot of new stuff. And really what struck me more than anything else was the proliferation of drones that were way over 55 pounds. Mm. A lot of drones. Which is kind of surprising because, you know, to be able to fly those, you're going to have to – I guess people are going the exemption route to fly the heavy stuff. Yeah. It's not even just waivers. Uh, yeah. But, you know, is that from people that have got, you know, for, Fortune 500 lobbyists or whatever? I, I don't know, but that is interesting. One other thing I heard, I did hear that a lot of the breakout sessions that uh, were staffed by folks who were not – what people would consider old timers would consider experts. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Comment on that, but people were like, "What?" Relative newcomers to the industry, you know, you heard anywhere from you know six months to eighteen months. Well, I've been doing this for you know the last year, uh, and uh, it, it, that, that was one of my my comment earlier about uh, changing out new people. You know, they got to do that every once in a while to, to flush us old parts that get cynical because things aren't going the way we think they ought to go. So they bring in fresh new blood. And I think a lot of that is what's occurring is, is they just have to do that. Uh, and it's going to be that way for a while. So yeah, cool. it was, it was there, it was real and it was pervasive. But uh, again, a lot of folks that, you know, we, you and I have known for years were there, but uh, by and large, it was more folks that you didn't know for a while. <laughs> And you just got introduced to. Interesting. All right. Well, thanks for the report on that. Interesting conversation. Um, you know, you did say, you know, we didn't even have a guest on here. We went long, but uh, I don't really know a lot of people that are qualified. There's a handful of folks that are qualified to, to deep dive on this like this, uh, especially with the, the longevity. And that was one thing that uh, interesting, too, in that little hangout thing I did on Twitter. The Australians were like, I have never heard anybody speak like this or somebody that knew the history or was informed. And again, not saying like, you know, a special or anything, but a lot of these people don't know what, like the subject matter we talked about here today. So I appreciate you uh, diving in with me on this one, Gene. And um, no worries. until next time. All right. You got it, my friend. Be have safe. Good... You too. Talk to you soon. Bye.